I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. When you find somebody that's willing to go, you have to find somebody that's willing to send and to help them go, do what God's called them to do. So my prayer is that we will help reach the city of Manchester for the glory of God. Matthew chapter 5, I want you to get your pen out. Matthew chapter 5, if you have a pen and you're used to marking in your Bible so that you can make a note, then do that. Matthew chapter 5, I'll read and then I'll draw out some things that I hope that you'll take a moment and circle and mark for me. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. The Bible says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Would you circle that word, are? A-R-E. That's significant in that. Verse number 4, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Same word, different verse. Circle it. And do so as we move down. Verse 5, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall... See God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Verse 13, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt hath lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world, and a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Let's pray. Father, help us, please. God, our hearts are so moved. We're just moved. I don't know how we could see what we have seen and it not move our hearts. Oh, God, please don't let us get to a place to where we become galvanized and hardened to the needs of a lost world. It's a messed up world today. It's a world that is growing increasingly dark. And yet we have light, and yet we are light. And so help us, dear God, I pray, to be what you would have us to be. In the name of Jesus, I pray these things. Amen. One of the things that stunts spiritual maturity and growth more than anything else in a believer is the view that the Christian life is a list of do's and don'ts. When we get saved, somehow we become introduced to a double list. One list is do, the other list is don't. And as long 
is I can check off the list of do's as being done and avoid the list of don'ts, I'm okay. Now the problem with that is when you get caught up in that mindset, you find yourself stuck on a hamster wheel. I don't know if you've ever seen a little hamster running around on the wheel. Okay, That's what the Christian life becomes for people who become uh, stuck in a performance-based view of Christianity. The problem with that that goes even deeper than just the hamster wheel is that when you view the Christian life as do's and don'ts and as a performance that we must do, it distorts how we view our relationship with God. On days that we perform well, <laughs> whoo, man, me and God, we like that, man. Me and the Father, we got it together. We're all good. I'm all good. I'm good with the Father. Me and God, we good. But on days that we do not perform the things that we feel like we should, when we don't have the do list all checked off, God seems silent to us and distant. And we assume that He's disappointed. We have a poor self-image. We feel guilt. We're underachievers. We haven't reached the level that somehow God has expected us to reach. And because of that, somehow our sonship with the Father is lessened. Mark de Jesus said it this way, Instead of having an identity as a son who is loved by our Father in heaven, performers live as spiritual slaves where their identity is based on what they do and how well they do it. They evaluate their relationship with God based on how well they perform religious duties and maintain a level, a level of righteous works. Now the problem is that our very culture in which we live is, is really uh, something that feeds uh, performance in every way. I mean, the very, the very world in which we live. We affirm people. We spend more time affirming people for what they do uh, than loving people unconditionally. We look at how they live and who they are and how they dress. And sometimes even in our church, if somebody walks in and they look like they could possibly be, by chance, could it be a tithing prefab family? Somebody already taught them the scripture, they love God, and they tithe. We race across, knock chairs over, jump over to people, and we welcome them in. But if somebody comes in and they maybe look like eh, they don't quite fit the mold, sometimes we hang with our friends. And I'm grateful that's not really the case here, and I hope it never becomes the case here. The reality of the matter is we, we as a culture, and sometimes even our church culture, you know why? You know why? Because performance-based people get things done. And so we just want to get them. I heard a guy say, well, let me give a three-point outline. This is true. Win them, wet them, and work them. You win them, you baptize them, and you get them what work. 
Well, it's, it's a lot deeper than that. That's a really selfish idea. And what happens is, what happens is, um, you, 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 you use people to build your ministry rather than using your ministry to build people. And because of that, people become expendable. I think that's some of the things that God talks about in the book of Isaiah and Jeremiah when he talks about his shepherds scattering his sheep, not caring whether they're wounded and bleeding or whatever. Because of the fact we can use people, and when we use them up, and they drift on, they're, they're forgotten. We can create that atmosphere, even in church, where people get things done. They may lose their marriage. They may lose their health. They may lose their family. But they feel good because they're, they're, they're doing a performance. Now, over the long haul, performance, listen to me, brings no joy. Listen carefully. If performance is based solely on the to-do list, if performance is based because somehow we're trying to impress somebody or we're trying to gain some spotlight, if performance is based on the guilt of the fact that I have to do this for my father to accept me and for me to feel good about my relationship with God, there's, there's no joy in that. And so what happens is Christians become familiar with words like burnout. What's that doing in the Christian vocabulary? We become fatigued. We do become weary in well-doing. Why? Listen to me carefully. Are we, does the Bible not say, don't be weary in well-doing? Well, what is it that keeps us from being weary in well-doing? The motive behind what we're doing and why we're doing the well-doing. And that motive has to become ultimately relationship. If it's not, it becomes a toxic atmosphere that creates even deeper problems. I want you to listen to what I'm fixing to say to you. I want you to listen to this. It's just going to be a moment. I want, you to, I want this to sink into you. Many, many times you'll find that addiction struggles in people's life is based and rooted in performance-oriented thinking. That's what happens. They, they have an addiction, and whether it's porn, whether it's food, whether it's alcohol or drugs, that becomes the quick escape from having to live a life of expectations that is minus relationship. It's just do. It's just do. It's just do. And so when that grows weary and thin, <coughs> excuse me, what they do then, okay, this isn't right. I, I shouldn't have this escape in my life. So what do they do? They re-immerse themselves back in the performance. The only way I can get over this guilt is to get back in the cycle on the hamster wheel and start doing what I'm supposed to doing. And what they don't realize is that doing, doing isn't helping. Doing isn't bringing joy. Doing isn't healing. Doing's not getting the job done. Because they're missing relationship behind all of it. And so it's a vicious cycle. And they do the only thing that they've been trained to do 
they perform again and again and again. By the way, can I say this to you? That, that, that man's plan of salvation has always been based on works. From the very beginning with Cain, it was a works-based salvation. And let me just share this with you. I'm not trying to offend anybody. I'm just trying to help you. Any church, I don't care what they call themselves, I don't care what their name is, I don't care what the denomination they are, it doesn't matter to me whatsoever. I don't care if they call themselves Christian, it doesn't matter. Any church that adds a smidgling of works to salvation is not, according to the Bible definition, a Christian church. Salvation by grace, plus nothing, minus nothing. I'm reminded of the people that gathered before the Lord in Matthew chapter 7. And Jesus made this statement, Not everyone that calleth me Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name, listen to this, in thy name done many wonderful <coughs> works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me that work iniquity. So I want to just tell you that that do, the doing is not how we get to heaven. And I hope there's a clear understanding of that this morning. Now in the text we read this morning, um, in those, those first 12 verses of, of Matthew chapter 5, um, those are called the Beatitudes. They're a part of a larger message that uh, in those three chapters it's called the Sermon on the Mount. So we have the Sermon on the Mount, and then those verses that, that open that text up we call those the Beatitudes. And so in, in those verses, if you notice, I had you circle the word are. <clears throat> because Jesus is not telling his apostles, his disciples there, he's not telling them what to do. He is, he is teaching them what to be. Okay? He's not saying do this. He's saying be this. It's a lot deeper than the doing. He's not saying I, I, I want you to get this done. He, he's saying I want you, I want you to realize, listen... I want you to realize that the being, being, being must precede doing. Okay. If we do without first becoming, then what we do ultimately is empty and it's what you are that's more important than what you do. Notice he says in verse 13 and 14, ye are the salt of the earth. Then verse 14 he says, ye are the light of the world. He didn't say, hey, do salt. Hey, do light. No, no, no. He said, be that. That's what you're supposed to be in the world. As a Christian, you are to be salt. You're, you're, to, you're to be a person who has a salting, preserving, antiseptic influence in the world around you. Then he's talking about a world of darkness <clears throat> that he spoke of in great detail in John 1, and, and he says to them now, he says to these men now, hey, listen, don't go do light. I want you to, I want you to be light. You are light. Be it. You are light. Then he says, let your light so shine before men. <clears throat> and so when he says, this is what I want you to be, light, then he says, do. So it's the being that leads ultimately to the doing. He said, you are light, now shine. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, listen to this verse. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be 
strong. Just listen to this example. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So he talks about, he talks about being strong. He doesn't talk about doing strong. He's saying to them, this is what I want you to be. I want you to be strong. Sometimes we try to, we try to concoct something that appears strong. No, 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 no. Something we can do that makes people think we're strong. No, no, he said, no, you got to be that in a world that tries to weaken us. I want to tell you, listen to me, dear friend, don't find... Listen, would you please listen? Don't find your identity in what you do. Find your identity in becoming the person that God has designed you to be. Now let me give you a couple of points. First of all, let me say this to you. Doing is not the same as being. Okay? Let's just take a moment. Let me just take a second and, and spend on that. Doing is not the same as being. And I think this truth is so often missed by young believers because doing doesn't necessarily equate uh, to, to, to being. And, and, and sometimes, so much of our focus can be centered on the external, what's visible, what, what, what's evidenced in our life. And so if we're not careful, our, our idea of Christianity becomes the things we do, what can be seen by others. So we come to church to be seen. We're here we're here because this is the thing to do. We're not here because we have a relationship with the God whose house this is and who says, don't miss coming to my house. Forsake not the assembling yourself together as the manner of some is. So we're here sometimes because of the outward, because of the doing of being here rather than the relationship that should draw us here. And I want to just tell you, the Christian life is so much more than a list of do's and don'ts. It emanates from what we are. Mark chapter 7. Go to, go to Mark chapter 7. Would you do that? Let me just show you a couple of verses. It's, 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 it's something we need to know. Once again, Jesus is being hounded by the Pharisees and... They, they, they were observing the Lord's followers with a critical eye, as they always did. And, and, and these followers of Jesus weren't being as fastidious as, as, they, as the Pharisees thought they would about washing and cleaning vessels of all the stupid things to judge spirituality by. But may I help you by saying this? Churches have just as stupid things today to judge spirituality by as these people did then. It's ludicrous to me, the things we come up with. So they, they criticize, hey, you, you, the disciples aren't, they, they're, not, uh, they're, they're not eating with washing hands. Are you kidding me? They don't even wash properly. So they got all these traditions they're spreading around. Well, Jesus addresses this with, the, with his disciples in verse number 20. And he said, that which cometh out of the man that defileth the man, for from within... Out of the heart of men proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornicators, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. You know, Jesus is pointing out to these pious gas bags. He's saying to me, you think you're right because of what you do. 
It's not what you do that makes you right. It's what you are. Jesus is saying here, no, no, no. It's not what you do. That doesn't make you clean. It's what you are on the inside that determines whether or not you are, are truly uh, clean. But they thought, because I do, I am. I do what I'm supposed to do, therefore I must be what I am supposed to be. And they had it all mixed up, and it's a fallacy that we can fall in today. Would you listen carefully to me? Here, here's, our, here's our thought. Um, I'm a good husband because I bring home the paycheck. I mow the lawns and protect the family and yada, yada, yada. That's me. I do it. I don't know why she ain't happy with me. Preacher, you know what I do? Do you know what I do? I do everything a husband's supposed to do. So because I do, I have to be a good husband. <clears throat> a, wife, a wife says, you know, I cook the meals. I iron the clothes. I clean the house. And there's that yada, yada, yada. I got a list. The, I do these things. I have to be a good wife. Why? Because I do all this. You're not good because of what you do. You're good because of who you are, what you are. You can get everything done. You can check all the boxes. And yet in the person of who you are, there can be a void. Listen to me. I don't do faithful to my wife. I don't do faithful to my wife. I'm not faithful. I'm not faithful because I don't look at pornography or chase other women. I don't look at pornography or chase other women because I'm faithful to my wife. We, we, we have to get this right. It, it's not, we can't get the cart before the horse. Well, I do these things so I'm, I'm a faithful husband. No, no, no. No, no, no. I'm a faithful husband, therefore I do them. It, it's, it's, not what, it's, it's not my performance. It's what I am. It's not that I get a list of things checked off that Susie gives me. It's that I have to, I have to, become, I have to become the man that God intends me to be and the husband that she needs me to be. It's not what I do that matters most. It's who I am. Second of all, okay, first of all, doing is not the same as being. Okay. Second of all, being always leads to doing. Okay? Are you with me? How many of you are with me today? You're staring at me like, dude, what happened to him on the way to church today? Think, think with me. Being, being what you're supposed to be always leads to doing what you're supposed to do. Always. No, no, no. No. Always. Well, preacher, I am what I'm supposed to be, but I don't do... No, no, no. That's not true. No. If you are what you're supposed to be, you'll do what you're supposed to do. And that's, that's, a, that's a sure sign in the Bible. Watch this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. For God, for it is God which worketh where? In you. Okay? Listen to this. Listen to this verse. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So, so, so what happens? When God does his work in you, you do because of the work he's done. It's God working in you both to will and to do 
the things that are of his good pleasure. So if, if you become what God wants you to be, you will do what God wants you to do. Being always leads to doing. Matthew 5, 13, ye are the salt, but, but, but it, it, you got to do what, what, what salt is supposed to do. If you don't, you're good for nothing, that verse says. Verse 14, ye are, ye are the light of the world, but if you're the light of the world, don't hide it under a bushel. Don't listen. Don't hide it under a bushel. Put it on a shelf where the whole house may see. Let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So this is what Jesus is saying. Don't walk around saying, I'm salt. Don't walk around saying, I'm light. You're, you're, I'm salt, but I, I have no effect on anybody. I'm not, I, have no, I have no savoring impact on anybody around me, but I'm salt. No, you're not. Salt that's lost its savor is good for nothing. If you're light in a world of darkness, then let your light so shine. Don't hide it under a bushel, on the job, with your family, in your neighborhood gatherings. Don't sit there silent like, you know, I'm a, I'm a secret Christian. No, no, no. You're light. The world's dark. And by the way, it's getting darker. So it's time that we shine brighter than we've ever shined before. So, so, so being always leads to doing. Number three, however, you still with me? How many of you are still with me? I'm excited for both of you. Here we are. <laughs> however, listen, however, doing doesn't always lead to being. So if you are what you're supposed to be, you will do what you're supposed to do. But just because you're doing what you're supposed to do doesn't necessarily mean that you are being the person that you're supposed to be. Let me tell you something. Look at me. Look at me. You can polish the performance. Okay? Got it, man. Jerry Garcia. And is there other ties? Anyhow, so Jerry Garcia. Here, oh, so, so you, know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you can... I, what are these shoes called, Chad, with the belt flap across? I can't remember. Anybody know? Probably. With the shoe, it's, it's got the flap. I can't, anyhow, there's a name for them. I call them Hetzers. Because I saw them, David Hetzer had it. So I call these my Hetzers. I'll tell Susie I'm wearing my Hetzers today. Okay? So you can polish up, man. Shine your shoes. Okay? You can choreograph everything. We could get this thing down choreographed, Brother Ernie, where I could write in my notes. You know, I get it all down. Well, I'm just, I've got everything choreographed. And, and Elisa knows where to move the camera because she knows we've worked this choreograph through where I'm going to be over here at this point and over there at that. We can choreograph our life. We can polish our life. But the reality of the matter is that just because we do it and it looks good while we're doing it doesn't mean we are what God wants us to be. Because doing does not always lead to being. Let me say it this way. Just because you have a work for God, just because you do a work for God, doesn't mean you have a walk with God. I want to say that again. Just because you, just because you do a work for God does not mean you have a walk 
with God. I just read about a pastor this week. Tragic, broke my heart. Everything he did was, was, was good. He was doing everything right and even teaching others how to do things right themselves. But then all of a sudden it's exposed that he's not being what's right. And he never intended to start out that way. It's just that what happened was, what happened was that he thought if he did, he would naturally become. But that's not what happened at all. Can I tell you this? There's a short distance. Look, look at me. There's a short distance, very, very short distance between doing good in the flesh and doing bad in, in the flesh. Between doing right in the flesh and doing wrong in the flesh. If you're doing anything under the auspices and the authority of your flesh, you are on dangerous ground. Because the Bible says in Romans 8, 8, for with, uh, so them that are, uh, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. So if I preach in the flesh, I'm preaching. Preaching is a good thing, but flesh isn't. So God says, Dean, you're not pleasing me. Well, God, I'm preaching your word. I'm preaching the word of God. To people that have come this morning to hear your word, I'm preaching the word. How could that not be good? Because you're doing it in your flesh. And they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You can feed the homeless in the flesh. God's not happy. You can, you, you can do things to gain attention to yourself, to build your own empire, to impress people out of guilt, whatever. But it's flesh-motivated. Here's what performance-based living says. Do right with God. Here's what spirit-filled living says. Be right with God. And if you are right, you will do right. But just because you do right doesn't mean you are right. Please look at me. When you take inventory of your life, I beg you, do not just look at the things you do for God. Look at what you are. I'm talking about the quiet moments. I'm talking about the secret place. I'm talking about, I'm talking about the bread and butter times when you and God are alone and you're communicating with God and you're reading His Word and, and, and you are letting God, you're letting God mold who you are. Let me say this as I move quickly toward a conclusion. Being is the inner work. Doing is the outer work. They're both essential. I, I don't want anybody to say, well, hallelujah, glory. Woo! I went to church today and the pastor said I don't have to do a thing. No, that's, not, that's not what this message is about. It's priorities. God wants to do a work in and out because if he does it in, it'll come out. But it always begins in. Listen, listen. Being is the inner work. Doing is the outer work. And when you become a Christian by trusting Christ as your Savior, He doesn't immediately hand you a to-do list. First thing you're supposed to do after you're saved is get baptized. Well, what is baptism? It's an, it's an outer sign of an inner work. He wants you to do something outwardly that shows people what He did inwardly by saving you. God's deepest work, please, God's deepest work in you It'll be, it'll be within. 
Did you hear what they said? Did you hear their testimony? Both Riley and Whitney, when they came up here, preceding the surrender and the move to go and to do was the work deep within them that God did to get them there. The greatest work God will ever do in your life is, is inside you. Listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. That He would grant you, according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man. We can pump weights. We can work out. We can develop the body. Those are good things, but God wants to strengthen the inner man. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, in you, where did the work begin? In you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, for this cause also we thank God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, Ye received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. You know, you know what this book has done, Ernie? It's plowed through me. It's dredged me. There's less of Dean today than there was when I started reading it, because it just pulls me out. It dredges me out. This book does a work within us. Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Now the God of peace that brought again uh, from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will working in you, that which is well-pleasing in His sight. So what helps us do? It's the work that He's doing to make us well-pleasing in his sight. When he molds who you are on the inside, it will be evident what he's done on the outside. See? I'm not saying the outward's not necessary. I'm saying that the outward without the inward, it's all a facade. It's us standing here. We got the image. We're performing. We're living it. And it ain't real. Just not real. I heard of a guy that went to North Korea. They took him up near the demilitarized zone, and he looked out across the city, out in the haze, and he said, man, that is incredible. I didn't know they had that in North Korea. And the guy that was with him said, there's nothing there. It's a facade. Nobody lives there. They've just built this structure so that it looks like this incredible city because they're trying, they're trying to set an image. It's all a facade. I think of in Revelation where he said, Thou hast the name that thou livest and are dead. They say that you can go out at night and look up into the sky and see the light of a solar star that's burned out 20 years earlier. But the light still comes. Sometimes I think that in our Christian life we still have a flicker. But the reality of the matter is there's no true walk, just the flicker of our work. Let me close with this. What we are determines what we do. And in the long run, we're going to stand before God for that. 
Matthew 25, there's something that every Christian wants to hear when they stand before the Lord. Verse 30, 23, His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many. Thou hast been faithful. Thou hast been faithful. What was it that made him faithful? He was a good and faithful servant. You understand, you understand that what we are when we stand before the Lord is going to determine our rewards and what we can present before the Lord on that day. I think that it's a decision that every believer is going to have to make. We're going to be challenged in the coming days ahead. The decision is, are you going to, are you going to walk with God or are you simply going to work for God? Are you going to be or are you going to do? And we, we might think that one would automatically complement the other, and in some cases they do. What we do does show what the work may be that God's done in our life but they're not synonymous, they're not mutually exclusive, and it all boils down to priority. You remember when Jesus sent the disciples out two by two? And this great group of disciples, 70 of them, and when they came back, they said, Jesus, oh my word, the things we did. Did you know this? Did you know that demons were subject to our command? Did, 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 you, did you know that, 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 that when we told the devil to get out, he got out? The things we did was amazing. Verse 20 of that 10th chapter of Luke, Jesus said, Notwithstanding in this rejoice not that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You know what he said? He said, Don't rejoice in the great things you have done. Rejoice in the great thing I have done for you. Not in what you do, but in who you are. Your names are written in heaven. Now, I'm going to close, but I'm just going to tell you, in all my years of ministry, that is such a vital key to spiritual maturity. If you'll just spend time on being, if you'll focus on becoming the person that Jesus wants you to become, that He wants to make you to become, you'll find so much more fulfillment in your Christian life than just through doing. Because if I am what He wants me to be, my relationship goes with me everywhere. If I'm just doing, by the time I leave here and get home, it's gone. It's gone. Because all it is is performance-based rather than relationship-based. Let's bow our heads. I hope that somehow, that somehow I was able to, 
if I could just give you just enough thought for you to grab today. Be. Be. Blessed are. Be strong. Be salt. Be light. Be peacemakers. Be humble. Be what God wants you to be. Maybe you want to kneel right by your chair there. Help yourself. Find yourself a place. Get serious with God. Be honest with God. been times in my Christian walk that I was more wrapped up in what I was doing than what I was becoming and what I was being. I'll be honest with you. There are times early in my marriage that I was more concerned with what I was doing. Checking all the boxes. That's no way to build a deep relationship with somebody just by doing all the right things. And I found out as a young man that what what Susie needed out of me more than anything was for me to be the person that she needed as a husband. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. God, I know you want to do a work in every one of us, me included. If the Apostle Paul has not arrived when he wrote his verses there in Ephesians, I sure have not. So the work continues, and I'm thankful it does. Help me to always be becoming the person you want me to be, and not simply trusting alone in the performance of doing the things I'm supposed to do. May it go so, so much deeper than that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.